0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. We are all welcome tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. How's everybody doing? I'm going to get close to you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm trusting in the mighty Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, to open the word to us tonight line upon line, precept upon precept. But before we dive into it, I just want to worship the Lord one more time. Father, I just honor you tonight, the uncreated creator. The rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the lion of the tribe of Judah, our very present help in time of trouble, our strength, our high tower, our shield, the one who fights our battles, the great I am, the Lord God Almighty. Lord, I honor you tonight. I bow before you. I come with humility into your word tonight. Lord, I yield myself to you completely. None of me, but all of you. Lord, I pray that you will speak through this vessel of clay. That your word will come with power, with authority. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, at the end of the day, let your name and your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's going to have to be a two-way street. All right. How's everybody doing? Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is good. It's been a, a very wonderful week. Amen. Very busy week. Very wonderful week. But we are in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I want to appreciate everyone that's in the room today. Um, For those that are watching online, God bless you. Uh, We would love for you to be here. So next week, make sure you're here next week. Praise the Lord. I am going to submit attendance record to Pastor when he's back. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So we've been looking at the book of Hebrews. How many of us have actually taken time to read it? If you haven't, I think it's a good thing, uh, as we are doing this study, for you to study along and, and read along. Uh, so today, I my task is to cover chapter 5, well, actually 6, 7, and 8, but I want to touch on some things in chapter 4 and chapter 5 before I get into chapter 6, um, and we'll see how far God will... Help us tonight um, in the the study. So in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering its rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel or the good news was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, I'm reading from the New King James, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter their rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Um, We were taught the last week, I believe, that when you look at it from the historical perspective, Joshua was not able to bring God's people into the promised land. I think that's one interpretation of that chapter. Uh, another interpretation that I want to add to that, because when you look at Hebrews 4, it's talking about entering into his rest. When you notice what we just read here, it said they were not able to enter because they did not mix faith with the word they heard. So... You can look at rest as the promise of God. The promise that God has given you in his word. How do you enter into that rest? So enter into the rest of your healing. entering into the rest of your financial breakthrough. entering into the rest of salvation for your family members. entering into the rest of miracles that you might be believing for. In order for that word to profit you. You have to mix faith with it. Amen? That's another dimension because when you look at it from the context, we are not entering the promised land like Joshua wanted to bring them into the promised land. But our promised land is my miracle. Our promised land is God's promise over my life. So that's another dimension that I wanted to add to that in chapter 4. If you look at verse it says, Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom he was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. So you and I have to make sure, glory to God, the camera is zooming. <laughs> we have to make sure, <laughs> I was like, what's going on on the screen? <laughs> we have to make sure that we strive to enter the rest that God has for you. Amen? So what is the rest that you are believing God for that you are trusting god for you have to mix faith with the word that you heard day in day out when it feels like god is not there when it feels like it's not working you mix faith with it you stand the bible says have done all to stand stand therefore having your loins got about with truth Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says the spirit of God will lift up a standard against it. You stand. You stand in faith. So that's another dimension that I wanted to add to Hebrews chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Now let's move on. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to skip chapter 5 because of time. Hebrews chapter 6. You know, the reading of the word of God is anointed. Amen. The reading of the word of God is anointed. Praise the Lord. Let's, look, let's read it together. Um, read along. I'm not saying you should read it out loud, but read along. Um, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Somebody gave me feedback. He said, You preach too fast. Slow down. So I'm learning to do that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and of the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. For the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those to whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God. But it bears thorns and briars and is rejected and near being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, somebody say, but beloved, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, the things that accompany salvation, the things that accompany salvation, I want to stop there for a second. The things that accompany, there are some things that come along with salvation. It's like when you go to the store and you buy something and something comes with it. The things that accompany salvation, we are going to get into that for a, in, a, in a little bit. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you should show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope till the end. That you do not become sluggish, but copy, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Faith and patience. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, there's nobody greater than him. He swore by himself, saying, surely in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I want us to connect that to Hebrews chapter 4 that we just read. Patience, faith, and mixing faith with what the word of God said concerning you will bring you the manifestation of the promise. Amen? Amen. For men indeed swear by the one that's greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability or the unchangeable nature of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie... We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge and lay hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. where the foreigners have entered before us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. So one of the things that I'll be covering either today or next week is the subject of Melchizedek and how that applies to this study. So the first thing I want us to look at when we look at this chapter, it opened by talking about the elementary principles of Christ. The elementary principles of Christ. When you start school, you start from grade school and then you go to... Uh, middle school, and then you go to high school, and then from there you kind of advance. So, the Bible is saying these are the basics, the foundational, the elementary principles. Now, let's look at some of the basics. The Bible talks about the foundation of repentance from dead works. Amen? So, if you are a child of God, if you are born again, you need to understand this is part of the elementary principles. In other words, you should... Abstain from living in that old lifestyle. Amen. That should be a thing of the past because you have come out of darkness into light. So walk, therefore, in the light. Another one is faith towards God. You know, when we talk about faith and you preach on faith, we think it's for the elites people that are well-developed in God, people that are more advanced. No, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, every one of you, every one of us in the room and those that are watching, the way you got born again is by faith in God. So, you already have faith. Amen? You already have faith. So, we have this misnomer that. Ah, I, I, I wish I could just get more faith. I wish I could just... You already have it. Now, you, you, you may need to develop your faith and grow it and begin to use it. It's like muscle, you know. Some of us have more muscle than others. You, know? you go to the gym and you work out and you pick up some dumbbells and all that. And then your muscle gets stronger and stronger. That's the same thing with faith. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. So that's another elementary principle of Christ, The third one is the doctrine of the baptism, you know, being put in water and coming out. That's elementary. And the doctrine of laying on of hands. When we talk about laying on of hands, there are two primary purposes for laying on of hands in the Bible. To be filled with the Holy Ghost. We see that in the book of Acts. And to minister healing. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not, that does not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, now, the problem that we run into as believers is we put the responsibility of them recovering on us. The Bible never said that. Your part is to lay hands on the sick by faith, and then you step away. You're finished. The part of them recovering is the Lord. Amen? So every one of us should be doing that as a routine. You know, your kids are sick. You lay hands on them before you reach for the medicine cabinet. Amen? And you teach them, too. You teach them by example because they are watching what dad and mom is doing. Is this, you know, when you get sick, we reach for the cabinet, or when you get sick, we pray? Which one do we do? I'm not saying we can't do both, but let's build our faith. Every time there's a problem, there's uh, an issue in the family, that's an opportunity for us to grow our faith and demonstrate what we want our kids to grow into. Praise the Lord. So the other thing that the Bible talks about as the elementary principle of Christ is resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So God's expectation for his children is for us to progress. We see that in verse 6 of Hebrews 6, for us to move forward in our faith, not to be stuck. The Bible says, If they fall away, to renew them against, to repentance, since they crucify for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. God expects his children to grow into adulthood in their faith. So after we got born again, There are things, these are some things that took place. So the day you and I got born again, we were enlightened. We tasted the heavenly gift, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We became partakers of the Holy Spirit. We taste the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. The powers of the age to come. And these are some of the things that we learn from chapter 6. Now, I want to look at some things in... Chapter 6, the Bible said God wanted to anchor Abraham's heart when he made a promise. So, he swore by himself. We see that in chapter, uh, verse 13 and 14. He swore by himself and he said, in blessing I will bless you. And in, let's look at it, 13. When God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying surely in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply you and after he had patiently endured he obtained that promise Now I want to talk about the the scriptures talk about two immutable things in King James or New King James but when you look at other translation it talks about two unchangeable things it never changes. And the first one is God's promise and the oath that God made. So the Word of God is unchangeable, no matter what's happening in my life. Amen? No matter what happening, because sometimes what, what we find is because the Word of God may not be manifesting yet in my life, we begin to change our message we begin to align our message away from the word of God because we are not experiencing it yet. The Bible says, this guy, true faith and patience, they inherit the promise. So the Bible says in Hebrews 13, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word never changed. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word the word was with God, and the word was God. So from, even from that perspective alone, God doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter what is happening. God never changes. And we know that God and his word, they are interchangeable. Because Jesus is the word that became flesh, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of, of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when you look at that immi- two immutable things, the first one we are looking at now is the word of God. Also, in Numbers 23, 19, the Bible says, God is not a man, that he should lie. Nor the son of man, that he sh- should repent or change his mind. As he said, will he not do. As he spoken, will he not make it good. Earlier this week, I was praying. And I was praying about some things, and I'm putting it before the Lord. And God just spoke out of the blues. He said, the same mouth that said, let there be light. And there was light. That same mouth said, I am the Lord that he let you. Amen? I don't know if you caught that revelation. The same mouth, the same person that said, let there be light, and there was light, came and said, I am the Lord that he let you. So that means if he said, let there be light, and light came into being, and we see it, whatever God has said concerning you, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. It's just a matter of time. Amen? It's just a matter of time. I mean, that, that really blessed me. But, I mean, the specific thing that the Lord spoke to me, uh, it's for me. But I, I, I'm using the example of a generic example from the word. I'm the one that said it. Amen? I am the word. I said, let there be light. And there was light. And so what I have said to you is coming to pass. It's just a matter of time. Amen? So stand in your faith and never be moved, no matter what's happening. Praise the Lord. The Bible also talked about James chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Still talking about the word. The word of God never changes. Amen? The two immutable things. The two unchangeable things. Talking about God making a promise to Abraham that by two unchangeable things, the word of God never changes. Amen? It never changes. No matter what's going on. No matter how bad it gets, it never changes. You think about the three Hebrew boys. The Bible said they threw them in the fire. And the word came and became the fourth man in the fire. It never changes. Glory to God. The, se- the second one is the oath. Of course, you know that if you go to a court today, they will ask you to put your hand on the Bible and, and they swear you in. That you tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And God wanted to, because God understands this is man's system of doing things, God wanted to anchor Abraham's faith. He said, okay, I'm going to swear, but there's nobody bigger than me. Because when you swear in the court, you are swearing to the high court of heaven by putting your hand on the Bible. So God said, I'm going to swear by myself because there's nobody bigger than me. Amen? And so... You take that to the bank, that God will never fail you. Amen? Because his word is true, no matter what's happening. Praise the Lord. How many of us are getting something out of this? I'm just trying to follow chapter by chapter um, and see where the word of God is leading us tonight. So when you look at Hebrews chapter 6 and compare it to Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 5 that we've covered um, the last week, you can see the progression of what we are learning here, how to stand confidently before God. Amen? You have to understand who this God is and what his promises are to you and the condition of mixing faith with what the Word of God says. That's very important. The Bible says, in order for you to enter into the rest that is afforded you, there, you have to mix faith with it. There's no shortcut to that. You must mix faith with the word of God in order for the word to produce in your life. Praise the Lord. Now, let's get into the fun stuff. Uh, Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis 14. Genesis 14. I'm going to read from verse 18. Praise God. The Bible says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God the most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, most I, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Almighty the possessor of heaven, and I, that I will not take nothing from a tread to a sandal strap, that I will not make anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Except that we give some things to the young men that have eaten the portion of the men who went with me, and then he mentioned their name. Praise the Lord. So the first time we were introduced to Melchizedek is this passage in Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek was introduced to us, uh, and this was the story of Abraham rescuing his kidnapped nephew, Lot, by defeating a coalition of Mesopotamian kings under Shedolamoah. So we just learned about this guy. In fact, when we get to um, Hebrews 7, the Bible introduced him as Melchizedek. And then in Hebrews 7, the Bible said he has no father, no mother, and no genealogy. Mm -hmm. So I mean, with my lightning fast mind, I begin to wonder, Okay, if somebody said you don't have a mom and you don't have a dad, are you an alien? (laughs) Where Where did you come from? And not only that, the Bible says this man has no genealogy. Glory to God. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? That means he's not from Adam. The genealogy of Adam, because he has no genealogy. Think about it. Um, John Maples. The reason you are John Maples is because your dad was Maples, and your dad's dad was Maples, and it kind of goes on and on and on. And you know the Bible is very, very rich when it comes to genealogy. And -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and then it goes on. And you look at the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see David there. You can see Rahab the harlot in the genealogy getting to Jesus. But this man has no genealogy, no beginning of days, and no end of life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. It's very fascinating. So we just read an encounter between Abraham and Melchizedek. He went to a war, and they won the war, and so they have the spoil of war, and it was given ten percent to the priest of God, who is Melchizedek. A representation of God on earth. I'll give you 10%. And for those that are wondering, that's one of the places where the tithe, the tithe of your your income, of your blessings, that's one of the places where that came from. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, or Jerusalem, or king of peace, or king of righteousness, priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God amen remains a priest continually an unending priesthood so that means Melchizedek is still a priest right now the Bible said you sometimes we put God in a box but It's written in black and white. We just gloss over it. "Eh, You know, let's just move on. And and God created this man apart from Abraham and put him as the priest of the Most High God because the we just read it. He has no beginning of days, no end of life. So where is Melchizedek right now? Come on. He's a priest forever. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ has eternal priesthood. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. One of the qualities of the priesthood of Jesus Christ is a daily intercede for you and for me before the Father. So every time you kneel down to pray and to pray on anything, Jesus Christ is saying, Let, let me correct that, Lord. <laughs> Let me add to that. Let me bring some some things to that. So I'm very, very careful when I preach to not bring anything extra biblical, even though it may line up with Scripture. But I'm going to break that rule today. There's a man of God that I follow, very, very anointed, very, very powerful, has a good testimony. So he said he he had a visitation to heaven. When he got to heaven, the Lord brought him uh, the Ark of the Covenant. You know it's in heaven. The Ark of the Covenant was in the place in heaven. And he was actually praying for somebody here on earth. And Jesus came. He just walked up to him and said, let's, let's go. And then the next second, they are in heaven. So when they got to heaven, he saw Jesus, our high priest. He said, you stay over there. And so the man was like watching and just very, I mean, if you were in his shoes, what are you going to do? I'm going to watch what Jesus is about to do. I'm not closing my eyes. I'm not missing this moment. And then he saw Jesus kneel down and began to intercede for the prayer request that he was praying for on earth with groanings. The Bible says concerning the Holy Spirit, he prays for us with groanings which cannot be put into words, which cannot be uttered. And he was heaving and heaving and heaving. And then after a couple of minutes, he said, it is done. It is done. He handed him the, the, the paper and said, when you get on earth, this is what you tell her. This is what you tell her. This is what you tell her. So I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, our high priest, every time we pray, every time we worship God, our high priest present that request before the Father. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that when you and I become, became children of God, we are now kings and priests unto God. And that's what gives us access. You know, Lisa talked about we have access into the holies of holies. Because under the old covenant, you cannot go in unless you are the high priest, especially into the holies of holies. And it's only on specified days, and I'm going to talk about that too as well. So let me just stay on point here uh, because I can get into some rabbit holes. <laughs> the Bible talks about Melchizedek being a priest forever, just like Jesus. If you look at Psalm 110 verse 4, Jesus' priesthood is likened to Melchizedek's priesthood. So when we present our requests before the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is taking up that request and bringing it before the Father. What an awesome, awesome setup. You are not not just presenting. your And that's one of the beauties of praying in other tongues. Because when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray a perfect prayer for many, many reasons. One of the reasons being that you can doubt it because you don't understand what you are saying. So your mind cannot get involved and say, Lord, how can I expect something that big, something that huge? But when you pray in tongues, you hook up your tongue. You're lending your tongue to the Holy Spirit to pray through you. God God is not doing your praying for you, but he's helping you to push it through. It's, It's perfect. Jude 1, Jude 20 But, beloved, let's go there. Praise the Lord. I don't like to just quote stuff. Let's go to Jude 20. It's just one chapter. But you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are praying a perfect prayer, and your high priest takes it before the Father the next thing you are expecting is the answer to come. Amen? So we are talking about standing boldly and confidently in the presence of God. We talked about access last week, and I'm going to talk about that to, to some degree too. But let's, let's continue with Melchizedek. He was the first high priest, and Jesus was the last. There's no more new high priest. Jesus is the absolute last high priest. There's not going to be another one because, it, I'm sorry? What verse am I on? Let's go back to um, let's go back to Hebrews 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 7. Melchizedek was the first high priest because he's the first one that was introduced in scripture as a high priest. And he took the tithe from Abraham, meaning that he's uh, authorized representation of God for him to be able to take tithes and present it before the Father. Praise the Lord. And Jesus Christ is the last high priest. And he was in the order of Melchizedek So when the Bible talked about, actually, let's read this. Let's read Hebrews 11. I mean, Hebrews 7. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then king of Salem, meaning king of peace, with our father, with our mother, with our genealogy, having neither the beginning of days nor the end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from his brethren, though... They have come from the loins of Abraham, but he, whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithe, because he has no genealogy, from Abraham, and blessed him who had the promise. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater, or the better. Here, mortal men received tithe, but there he receives them, talking about Jesus, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi who receives tithe, paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak, because Levi is in the loins of Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, talking about the new priesthood, therefore, if perfection were true, the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek, according to the pattern of Melchizedek? And not to be called according to the order of Aaron. Because the order of Aaron has genealogy. And it was a calling. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is a need for a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken, belong to another tribe. For which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Of which tribe Moses spoke. Nothing concerning priesthood. Because Judah is not um, the tribe that is part of the priesthood. And Jesus obviously came from Judah. And it's yet far more evident in the likeness of Melchizedek. There arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So when you begin to look at Melchizedek, we'll see that this man has no beginning of days. is no, built like Jesus. He, he's, he's very much like Jesus because Jesus is God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's Alpha and Omega. Praise the Lord. Now let's look at some... Scenarios of the priesthood in Four Samuel thirteen. First Samuel thirteen Praise the Lord. First Samuel thirteen. So uh Saul was king at this time, and let's read verse 1. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, um, 2,000 were with Saul. So let me just summarize it because of time. So what happened here was Samuel was supposed to come back to meet Saul, to offer sacrifice before the Lord. But because Samuel was delaying in coming, Saul decided, I'm going to do the sacrifice. And of course, because he's a king, he's stepped out of his office to do the sacrifice. And that was one of the reasons why God took away that kingdom from him, talking about the priesthood. But like I said, the Bible says he has made us kings and priests. Under the Old Testament, you are either a king or a priest. You don't have both. But under the new covenant, you and I, we are kings and priests. So that's one of the reasons why we can present our requests before the Lord. Because only priests will go before the Lord to offer gifts and sacrifice on behalf of himself and the people. So now, under the new covenant, because you are a king and a priest, you can approach unto the Father, and your high priest will take your request before the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord. So, Bible says we have been made kings and priests. You can see that in Revelations 1.6. Revelations 1.6, we have been made kings and priests unto our God, and we shall rule and reign on the earth. So because the priesthood was changed, like we read in Hebrews 13, there there, there was necessity for a new priesthood, and that's the priesthood that Jesus Christ belonged to. We see that in verse 11 and verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 7. So when you think about the role of the king and the priest... They are very two, two different things. The priest, like we said before, offer gifts and sacrifice on behalf of himself and the people before the Lord. But if you are not in that office and you step into that office, you get yourself in trouble. If you look at Leviticus chapter 16, it's talking about the day of atonement, the day that we call Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. The day of atonement. The priests enter into the holy place once a year to offer sacrifices and gifts. But the Lord Jesus Christ entered in one time for all. He brought his blood, and the blood was enough before the Father. And that sacrifice was once and for all. Under the old covenant, the priest has to do this every single year, year after year, year after year. They have to do it. But under the new covenant, he went and did it once, and it was done. Praise the Lord. I think we should take a look at some aspects of the Levitical priesthood. And if you go, to, if you go with me to Leviticus uh, chapter 10... Leviticus chapter 10. This is one of those studies that you have to stay with it. Praise the Lord. It's talking about Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord. Which the Lord had not commanded them. So the fire went out. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So we see the priesthood office under the old covenant, you can't just encroach in. You can't just, we saw that with Samuel too. I mean, with Saul. Doing his fire because Samuel was staying too late. The same thing we see here. Even though these guys are Aaron's sons, they are in the priesthood family. They offered strange fire before the Lord. And the judgment of God came upon them. Because God said, everyone that approaches unto me must, I must be regarded as holy, and I must be glorified. Under the old covenant, there is swift and quick judgment. Under the new covenant, we have grace. And so somebody can be in the church and be committing sin. I'm not endorsing sin. You know, like somebody says, you don't have a license to sin. People, li- people sin without license. You don't need a license to sin, <laughs> but uh, but God expects us, like we ser- said earlier, to leave the elementary principles of the gospel, forgiveness of sin, repentance from dead works. Those should be elementary, It should be past that. God expects us to grow and move on to perfection. So yes. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) So another another thing that I want to talk about is, um, so when you think about the Old Testament priesthood, they offer sacrifices year after year, like I said. But under the new covenant, Jesus did it once, and it was done. You think of that in in terms that we can relate to. You know, if you have a credit card or you have a a balance that you owe a company and you are paying the minimum payment on that balance, so you are paying the bare minimum payment, it's going to take a long time before you pay it off. But under the Jesus priesthood, Jesus went in and paid the whole balance. So nothing left to pay. So uh, the young Kippur, which is done once a year, the priests will go in, they will offer gifts and sacrifices, and then they are cleansed until next year. And then they do it again until next year. But Jesus went into the holies of holies with his own blood, and it was sufficient. The father said, yep, this is perfect. Praise the Lord. So that's, a, that's a very, another great way to look at the finished work that Jesus did as our high priest. He paid the balance in full. Lisa talked about we have access. I want to address that as well to kind of add to that. When you think about the day that Jesus died, one of the significant things that happened on that day, the Bible talked about the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, which signifies that the Lord opened the veil. It's free access. And if you also think about it, under the old covenant, Jesus the Lord God only dealt with the nation of Israel. That's it. The nation of Israel, everybody else is an unbeliever, an infidel. But under the new covenant, he has opened the door for anyone and everyone that believes in him, that believes in the Lord Jesus, you have access. Praise the Lord. So the the veil was turned in Matthew 27, 45 to 51. Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us the curtain, which which signifies his body, in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 20, and gives us access to be able to access the presence of God. Like we talked about before, We are kings, and we are priests. And as a priest, you have access to the presence of God, to be able to present your request. Praise the Lord. The new priesthood of Jesus Christ came from the tribe of Judah. We've talked about that already. But the priesthood um, from the Old Testament is different from the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is our high priest forever, and he entered into the holy place before the father with his own blood, Hebrews 9, 11 to 15. And this chapter also highlights how blessings and curses can pass from generation to generation. Praise the Lord. The blessings of Abraham, they pass down to us. The same thing, if you disobey, if you look at, um, I'm trying to think of the passage. If you look at where the Bible was talking about, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and obey his, his commandment, then this blessing shall fall on you. And in your in the city you shall be blessed, in the field you shall be blessed, the fruit of your body shall be blessed. Verse one to fourteen. And then verse fifteen down, it curses. So if blessings can flow down from generation to generation, so so can curses flow down. Praise the Lord. So, chapter 7 here, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 7. I'm just going to wrap it up. So, Hebrews chapter 7 is talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek and the priesthood of Jesus Christ and comparing and contrasting between them. Next week, um, I'll be talking about the new covenant and contrasting it with the Old Covenant, what was unique about the New Covenant and what's available to us under the New Covenant. And we're going to talk about the Old Covenant and some of the uh, nuances of that and how we can take advantage of what the Word of God has for us. Um, Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So um, I think I'm going to stop right there um, so that we can start next week with chapter 8. And uh, I'll focus on the, the new covenant and the old covenant for next week. Does anybody have any questions before we pray? Anything that we can clarify? Why did we skip five? Did we skip chapter five? (laughs) I think Lisa talked about it. Lisa, Lisa, yeah, she did five. (laughs) (laughs) Praise (laughs) (laughs) God. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. So, God's mind has always been to create a kingdom of kings and priests. And that's why, under the new covenant, we are kings and priests unto our God. And we shall rule and reign on the earth. So, all of us, we are kings and priests. Praise the Lord. That was his question. question Because in Exodus, what was the reference again? Yes, So God's mind was always to be able to draw near unto his people, for them to be able to access him without going through any type of intermediary. But there has been some changes over the years. In fact, when you look at the story, you find out that God's mind was to be able to talk to his people directly. But they were like, uh, the thunder was too much and the lightning was too much. It's like God, you talk to Moses, and then Moses talked to us. And that was what birthed the office of the prophet. Praise the Lord. It wasn't. It wasn't God's mind for them. T- As a matter of fact, another piece was uh, when you when you look at First Samuel, chapter one through seven. After they said God, you know, they said to Samuel, "Go and tell God we want to have a king, just like other nations," and Samuel was taking that personally because he felt. It might be because his children were misbehaving. They were judges, and they were not acting right. Or because he wasn't doing a good job as a judge. And God said, no, it's because they have, not, they, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. Because my intention was for me to be their king. God did not want them to have an earthly king. I'm their king. And I will fight their battles. I, will, I, mean, what, what, I mean, who would not want that? But we want to be like other nations. Just give us a king. And that was why Saul became the first king of Israel. And of course, God even warned them, when you get this king, he's going to do this to you, to your children. He's going to strap them up and turn them into soldiers. He's going to turn your daughters into cooks. He's going to do all of these things. They said, yeah, we're we fine with that. Just give us a king. So God is doing his best, his best to deal with his people, even with his church today. With so many things that he wants for us, and we are getting like the subpar of what God intended for us. So, God's intention is for every one of us to approach unto him as a king and as a priest to be able to present our request anytime we want. You have access. Lisa kept emphasizing that. We have access. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you. Deuteronomy 11, yeah. So you can look at that as well as part of the study. Deuteronomy 11, if you, it talked about verse 1 to verse 14, talked about the blessings, and then verse 15 to verse 58, curses. Curses that will make your stomach turn. Like, God, I don't want that. But the, the requirements are there. If you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what I command you today, then these blessings will fall on you. But if you will go the opposite way, then these curses will follow you. Cursed shall you be in the city. I mean, I don't want to even say that. (laughs) I'm not preaching that. Glory to God. But the the choice is always ours. But now as believers, as children of God, he has redeemed us from the curses of the law. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curses of the law. Having become a curse for us, for curse is everyone that hangs on a tree, and Jesus hung on a tree. So when Jesus was on that cross, he was carrying all the curses that was pronounced under the old covenant. He's nailing all of it to the cross. So now, you and I have access. So the question is, how come, if all of that is true, which it is, how come we see all the chaos that's, or the issues that we see in the church? In the body of Christ, people are born again, but it looks like Jesus is not real in their life. Their finances are not in place. Uh, Their family is in shambles. Uh, There's divorce. There's loss. There's this and there's that. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'll give you a good example. The Bible talked to Abraham, and God spoke to him. He said, your children will be sojourners in a foreign land for 400 years. And after that, I'll bring them out. Guess what? They were in captivity for 430. They stayed 30 years extra. So there are some prophetic words that God will release that are conditional. You have to labor in the place of prayer for it to come to pass. Amen? You have to labor in the place of prayer. Another good example is Daniel. The Bible said, "Hi Daniel, understood by books." that the number of years we are supposed to spend in captivity is 70. So he began to pray. And that was when God dispatched the angel that was held for 21 days. And then he brought the answer. So that kind of gives us a clue why some things are happening in the life of believers. Because that's not God's intention. God's intention is for us to live in peace, in health, in prosperity, in, in good health. But if we don't travail in the place of, I mean, Jesus was a prayer warrior. Amen? He's our example. So if we are going to be honest with ourselves, what's my prayer life look like? What's my prayer life look like? What's my study life look like? If Jesus is praying as much as he prayed when he was on the earth, what's my prayer life look like? Is our high priest. Yes but you are also a priest. You are supposed to present your request to God. In in Matthew chapter seven, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." So if I don't ask, I don't receive. If I don't seek, I don't find. I know, by the way, you have to connect that with Hebrews chapter four. You have to mix the word with faith. So it's not just enough for me to ask, Yes, I need to ask. But when I ask, I must ask with understanding that my high priest, who lives forever, is going to come to pass. No matter how big it is, no matter how small it is. Praise the Lord. So it's very important for us to understand that, yes, the word of God is true, but I have a part to play. As a king and a priest. Because God was building a nation of priests and kings. So every one of us, we are kings and priests, we've been given access through the veil that's been torn, through the body of Jesus Christ that was mad on the cross. We have access to be, to be able to present our requests before the Lord. So when we get on our knees and begin to pray in English or in other tongues and begin to present our requests before the Lord, we are fulfilling our role as priests before the Lord. And our high priest, who lives forever, will take that request before the Father. And like I said, the best kind of prayer that you can pray is to pray in other tongues. Because the Holy Ghost, who's the third person of the Godhead, is the one that's praying through your tongue, through your vocal cords. So it's the absolute perfect prayer. And we begin to see things turn. We begin to see things shift in the church. In your family we begin to see things change around us and that's god's mind for his people bible says beloved i wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers which tells us clearly god's mind concerning his people but we have a part to play we have to turn off the tv turn off the social media and get on our face And then we begin to see things turn. I mean, look at our patriarchs. You want to talk about Abraham. You want to talk about Daniel. You want to talk about, uh, I mean, mention many of them. They were people that knew how to pray, how to intercede. And that's one aspect of the priesthood, to be able to present your request before the Lord. Amen? You didn't know we were going to talk about prayer. (laughs) Because that's one of the roles of you as a priest. Of you as a priest, you travail in the place of prayer and partner with the Holy Spirit to lay your request before the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ is our high priest. And yes, he lives forever to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Somebody might say, well, Jesus is already praying. What do I need to pray for? The Bible says, pray without ceasing. And in fact, the Bible said, pray all kinds of prayer, all manner of prayer. Pray in English and pray in other tongues. Pray in understanding and pray in the Holy Ghost. Both of them combined. We can turn things around. We can change Wilmington. We can change our family. We can change our region. We can turn things. Because you are a priest, you have access. You have to put on the garment of your priestly garment and see yourself like Jesus Christ interceding and praying and turning situation around around your family, around your extended family, around the church. Praise the Lord. How many of you understand that when you're praying, especially when you're praying in tongues, you might not even be praying for yourself? I might be praying for Christy while I'm interceding in my prayer closet because God knows who needs to be prayed for. And if you avail yourself, God just needs your tongue. And in order for your tongue, the Bible talked about the tongue being the small member and kind of direct the whole body. But, yeah, that's right. But you have to make yourself available in order for the Holy Spirit to flow through you. It's not going to force you. So, as a priest, you have to be in your job. One of your job as a child of God is as a priest in the place of prayer. Amen? Yes. Praying in tongues. So yeah, that that's amazing. You know, we pray in tongues and we sing in tongues. We pray in understanding and we sing in in understanding. So all of it, I mean, just let the Holy Spirit lead you. He knows what to be. He knows how to get the job done in prayer. And that's because you can only pray what you know in English. I don't know why I'm going in that direction, but it seems like the Lord is in me there. You you can only pray what you know in English. Pray as much of what you know in English. But spend 90% of your time praying in tongues. 90% of it. Just let the Holy Spirit flow through you. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This speak ye of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. about the works, you know Yeah. we about the different Okay. about the different The doctrine of baptism Right, yes, um, so I'm looking at time. we have got about fifteen minutes okay i i can I can prepare something towards that uh sure, um so talking about baptism, we know about water baptism, right, and uh, seven baptisms. You're going to have to teach it next week. <laughs> <laughs> I you said so laying, laying on of hands. Uh, impartation. And, of course, laying on of hands like we read in Mark chapter 16 for healing. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's absolutely true. That's one way that word of knowledge manifests. You feel like... You, are, you yourself, you are taking on whatever the other person is experiencing. You feel it in your body, but you know you are not sick. You know your leg is fine, but you feel that pain, and, and God does that. I have a friend, a pastor friend in Pennsylvania. God uses him that way. When he's ministering, you feel the pain, and he knows that somebody's in the audience that's you know, going through whatever that pain is. Praise the Lord. Any other question before we pray? I want us to spend the last 10 minutes that we have to pray. And pray for one another. The Bible says, "Pray ye one for another that you may be healed." The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Does anybody have any specific prayer needs today? Specific prayer needs, and you want us to agree with you in prayer. This is church. Remember, we are we are priests unto our God, and we can approach unto Him in the place of prayer. Yes. Right. my prayer request is this time and this hour the church to enter under the order of Amen. the Amen. Amen. Yes sir. Amen. I firmly believe that he's gonna go for a second term. So all of this is just smoke and whatever. I mean, God has revealed it through many, many prophets that he's gonna have two terms. So we we're gonna pray about it, but we can't sit behind on our behind and say we are not gonna pray. You know, Bible says if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. So I want us to pray for the first one, that there will be revelation, and that the church will step into a Melchizedek priesthood, the order of Melchizedek, that, that the revelation of the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ will dawn like daylight on the inside of all of us. And I also want us to pray for uh, President Trump, our president, and all the impeachment that's going on, that the, the, the hand of God will maneuver things, and God will vindicate him and keep him in the White House so that he can continue to do the assignment that the Father has for him. Let's pray, let's pray. Let's open our mouth and pray tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just turn over into the mighty Holy Spirit to pray this prayer request for us in the name of Jesus. That there will be revival in Global River Church and the church as a whole, in the body of Christ. That revelation of the Melchizedek priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ will be done on the inside of all of us in the mighty name of Jesus. That was Marebo no Marama, no Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for the presidency. We pray for the Senate. We pray for the House of Reps, our elected officials. We pray, O oh God, that there will be peace. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that your hand will maneuver things and your perfect will will be done in the mighty name of Jesus. That trump you will surround with with the fire of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. That your perfect will will be done in the airing that all of the nonsense will be put away and your perfect will will come to pass in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Maso Terebonga Sekila Lakura Nasaya, Yare Koseke, Yebalo Sekehir, Reta So Coco Baina Nakosheke, Yebabala, Ramos Soko Legaria, Reta So Koremanda Sekelia, Zabe Legeresokohi Dada, Zengra Nesokohi, Abrano Sekelina Kosekehina I want us to also pray for our pastor and the team that's headed to Costa Rica. You see, where we prayed on Sunday. We prayed at the beginning of the message, and you're praying again. Yeah. Bible says we should not stop praying. Amen. That there will be manifestation of God's power, there will be salvation, there will be deliverances, there will be tangible miracles, miracles they've never seen before, or the magnitude they've never seen before. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Zurukote lege barocatila gaya, Zambe loco shekedia, Zeca baba baba senia, Rocate lebrocoseke hidaraba. Father, we pray, O oh God, fire in Costa Rica. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire in Costa Rica. Fire, fire in the name of Jesus. La posonta lipa rapote keriba. Zutre ke papa papa. Ye koye koyede. Rande so kori baba baba. Reka so ke legege baruka dinaka Rabe no goseke hika laganashi. Jabe nege de babona ke de baruka tila gaya father in the name of jesus release your fire release your fire i want us to pray i'm praying for everyone in this audience right now every member of global river church those that are watching online father you know where their need is so holy spirit we avail ourselves to be able to be used by you in the last few minutes we have to pray for members of the church, even right now people that are on the verge of making wrong choice, wrong decisions, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will come and help them to be able to resist that temptation in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we honor you. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Does anybody have any prayer request? Yes, yes. Father, we lift up Jerusalem before you. The Bible says we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we pray right now as a, as a body for the peace of Jerusalem, your holy city. Your choice, people. Lord, we pray for your peace. There's encroachment from every direction against this small nation, Lord God. But this is the apple of your eye. Lord, we ask tonight in the name of Jesus for the edge of protection round about Jerusalem. The Bible says, as the Lord surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surround his people. Lord, we ask, O oh God, for a dispatch of angels, warring angels, in the name of Jesus, warring angels, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you because you have heard as a priest, and we have presented our request before you. We thank you for our high priest. And the Holy Spirit is praying with us and praying for us and carrying this request before the Father as a sweet-smelling servo. We just honor you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope this has been a blessing to you. It's a <laughs> praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Have a good, good evening, everyone.